0: We're back. I'm Drew McGarry. And I'm David Roth. And uh, coming in September 2020, a new site we have built together called... Defector. Defector, and we're going to have a new
1: podcast to go with it. This very podcast, which has the name... The Distraction. It's out
0: right now, and it's available everywhere else to get your podcast At Stitcher, Spotify, Apple. Go listen right now to The Distraction everywhere. It's out right now. Go listen. See ya. Bye.
2: Full disclosure, I went to see a therapist by myself, and I ain't even tell Kay. Deadass! She's still mad about that.
0: I'm not mad. I'm just looking at you because I don't think it's funny. And I had to find a way to convince myself that I was not the reason why he had to seek therapy. Deadass. Hey, I'm Kadeen.
2: And I'm DeVal. And
0: we're the Ellis's.
2: You may know us from posting funny videos with our boys.
0: And reading each other publicly as a form of therapy.
2: Wait, I make you need therapy? Most days. Is going to span over about 10 years very quickly. All right? I retire from the NFL. I get back. I'm not feeling like myself. Kadeen and I are planning a wedding, but I'm at odds with not only my wife, but I'm at odds with myself. I don't know what's going on. I feel like my identity has been ripped from me. I'm no longer playing football. I want to get in a TV film, and I don't know how to do it. So in feeling lost, I felt like I was losing myself. So I had to get very depressed. Um, I used to go into the bathrooms at times. It would just be me in the bathroom by myself, and I would cry. And I would hear Kay out the door like, yo, babe, you all right? And I would mask it, and I would be like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm just using the bathroom. But inside, I would be hurting. Fast forward nine years. We've been married nine years. I've always found ways to mask that feeling and not ever show my wife or show anybody that was going through it. Until last year, we were going into... The fall, it was around this time exactly last year, I used to leave, go to the gym in the morning, and I would tell Kay I was going to play basketball, and I started seeing a therapist. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell my mom. I didn't tell my dad. I didn't even tell my wife. I went, and I saw a therapist for about three months, and it was the best decision I ever made in my life. Best decision for our marriage. Ooh, child, things are going to get easier. Keep your head. Up. Ooh, child, things, things will get, get brighter, brighter. Oh, Baby, I'm fit up. Ooh, child, <laughs> things are gonna, gonna get easier, easier. Ooh, child things will get brighter, brighter. Hey. I remember Marvin Gaye Used to sing to me Yo, that's hey. my joint right there, man
0: We love us in Tupac Tupac
2: Shout out Kyro's to Tupac. middle name is yeah. Shakur Absolutely You know
0: It was an appropriate song, I think you It was, you gotta keep your head today. up, man
2: you, Absolutely You gotta keep your head up, man Mental health and wellness is all about getting your head straight
0: I think it was particularly important that we talk about this Because within our community, it, there's a stigma around it Yes You know, and um, I think more and more within the past couple of years Years, our generation have been in tune with the fact that things have been off yes. for a very long time. Yes, um, some deeply rooted issues that you know our people have been dealing with, and it's kind of just been glazed over for a while. Mm-hmm. So today we figured we'd bring in somebody who knows about this. This is their yes. profession, um, psychiatry, forensic psychiatry, actually. Um, Dr. Imani is in here talking to us today about mental health issues and ways we can kind of navigate around it and way we, how we can extend our helping hand to someone who may be in need of some attention. So Dr. Imani Walker. She's how from are New York.
1: You? I am from New York. New York in House.
0: Harlem. 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 Exactly. Yeah, yes. When she started talking when we came in, I was like, she's not from like the LA area. You could tell, like, you never lost that New Yorkness no, no, at no, all. No. No. It's amazing. I love no. it. Thank you for being here with us. <laughs> Thank you
1: so much for having me. I'm and so, Kylie
2: introduce yourself to our guests. Yes.
0: Sure. So my
1: name is Dr. Imani Walker. Um, I am I'm a forensic psychiatrist. So I trained as a psychiatrist, and then I did additional training in forensic psychiatry, which is where the law and psychiatry meet. Okay. So um, I deal with a lot of patients who just got out of the state mental hospital. They're fresh out of jail. So in LA, that would be like Twin Towers. Mm-hmm. And I see patients who have had issues with mental illness. And a lot of times, those issues with mental illness have precluded or maybe even caused some of the crimes or really caused the crimes that right, they, right, that they right. committed. Mm-hmm. So I do that. I'm also the chief medical officer of Gateway's Hospital and Mental Health Center, which is wow. a psychiatric hospital here in Los Angeles in Echo Park. And because I'm Jamaican and I like to have all the jobs. And
0: you Jamaican
2: <gasps> too? You're yes. Jamaican. Yes. Yo, you just make case I was yes. stumbling
0: upon yardie. Yes. What? Yes. Okay.
1: Nice, nice. So, I am um, I also am Dr. Imani on Married to Medicine Los Angeles, which airs on Bravo Network. Ah, nice. Very nice. She said all the jobs. Is
0: it airing now or has it it it, yet to air?
1: Season one aired and it ended in, I believe, the end of April. Okay. So we are actually in pre production. We're about to start filming um, in the next couple weeks. Nice. All the jobs. Get all all the jobs. jobs. And I have other (laughs) jobs too, but I don't really want to overwhelm y'all's listeners.
2: I knew you had a lot do. of jobs. you from New York. You're from Harlem. You're hustler. Hustler. And you're Jamaican. Yeah. There you so, go. So, you know, you got to at least have about two jobs. That's how it is.
0: And I need to catch up on TV because Val and I have been so out of the loop with television. So we'll have to I watch to, Yo Gabba Gabba. We'll Gaba, have to be- The Loud House. Oh, oh, yeah. Three kids.
2: Well, I, don't, I don't watch TV.
0: Preschool prep. You know. Yeah. No, I'm I'm all. I'm,
1: I remember going to Yo Gabba Gabba and they were like raves. <laughs>
2: Like when my <laughs> yeah, like when exactly. my son was that
1: young, I was like, "Yo, what like, How many children do you have? I have one, have one? son. He's okay. twelve. Idris, pick okay. up to Idris. Idris, okay. Uh, so he's he's twelve, going on thirty five. But um, okay, but yeah, he's. I feel um,
0: like so many of these kids now are they like as my mom would say, they lost their age paper because they don't know how old they are. They think they're so grown. Yeah, can't he, even do.
1: He's like, well, actually, I'm like, oh, word, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <A> word. <laughs> like, oh, okay, okay.
2: Well, full disclosure.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: I can't. Imagine what it would have been like to have a mom who's a forensic psychiatrist. (laughs) Like, you can't lie to that person. You could probably, she could, she probably reads him probably, the you, minute he walks in Are you in able the room. to do
0: that? Are you able to read bullshit a mile away? Oh, absolutely. I'm sure See? you can. Yeah, absolutely. See? There you
1: go. See? But it's also interesting because he, like, we talk a lot about, you know, speaking of the topic of mental health, we talk huh? a lot about our feelings, which isn't something that, I mean, I don't want to characterize all Jamaicans and people of Jamaican heritage. But, but say we, we know, really girl. didn't, like, love in a Jamaican household was Done, was shown by well, I provided these things Absolutely. for you. We talked
2: about this. We Absolutely. talked about this in our marriage, right? Like, you like have food I
0: to eat, the, right, clothes on your back, you're the going lights to school. Go on, right?
1: Yep. Exactly. And so, what more do you want? Right, right. Like, oh, you want a hug now? Like, all right, <laughs> right. then. Like, all right, like, okay, cool. Like, okay, off you go. Right. Um, but I really, when I, I knew when I became pregnant with my son that I wanted to break that mold, and I, it's easy for people, and I always say this: people do what they know they mm-hmm. don't do necessarily what's best right yes. because right. what's best requires for you to sit and, and evaluate yourself
2: absolutely right?
1: and a lot of people don't want to do that even me sometimes so when i had my son i was like okay we're going to say i love you we're going to give you know family hugs we're mm-hmm. going to do all these things so back to my point we talk about our feelings a lot and so we i have always loved to um I guess, examine characters in Mm -hmm. movies and books and TV shows. And so he actually asked me, like, yo, can we see The Joker? Mm. And so we did. And I I was concerned. I was like, well, we'll go. I mean, I'm his mom. I didn't know if it was going to be too scary for him. But it was so dope because... I got to sit with him, and he was next to me, and explained to him like, "Yo, this is this diagnosis, or th- these are these symptoms," and right. like, you know. And at the end of it, I'm not going to give anything away, but because we're going to see it today. Right. Okay, and I was
0: debating if we should take our son, who's here waiting. We're like, should we take him to see it? We have it an or he he's said eight year old. see so it. I don't know. It might what, be a little heavy. what I what I would say to him
1: before you go and after you go is that what was so beautiful to me about the movie? Yeah, there's some scary parts in it, but it is the story of one person who's mentally ill and knows they're mentally ill and wants the help but can't get it. Wow. And it's so sad. Because usually see. you
0: see the reverse. Someone maybe doesn't want the help or doesn't know they need the help exactly. when the resources
1: are there. Or you or you know, because of storytelling, you'll see someone who it's like, oh, I don't have my meds. And then it just precipitously like turns into like mayhem right. and that's not what happened. Mm. And so it was so beautiful as a psychiatrist for me to see that they handled this one person. Well, like the Joker's a real person, but, <laughs> right, but right, I mean, right. but this one uh-huh. right. character. Their story right. the way that it really does occur in real life. It's very slow and it can be confusing to the person it's happening to and people that are around them wow. when you deal with severe mental illness like that which is what I wow. primarily will, yeah, I,
2: I mainly only deal with that. Wow. So question how do you think mental illness why did it become such a stigma in the black community? Because you hear it a lot I mean I, I remember before I even thought about going to therapists I'm like I'm not doing no fucking therapy like that my exact words was that's white people shit. Absolutely. That's the first thing that came out of my mouth, and then it took me ten years and almost feeling like I was losing my mind to say, you know what, Deval, you might need to see somebody.
1: So I think we really have to go back to you know slavery. So we mm-hmm. we have collectively been in this country for four hundred years, mm-hmm. and not only were we brought, not only were we brought here and then had to hopefully live through the pe- the, the middle passage mm-hmm. right so now we now we land here now we're like whipped beaten we're interacting with people who we don't have a like language we, I, like i'm like we're both brown but i don't know what you're saying you don't know what i'm saying now mm-hmm. we get forced to speak a language we are beaten into submission and maybe sometimes death and we are told by the people that quote unquote care for us not to complain Right? right and so you have to look at where we started out right. in this country right. that doesn't mean that's how it was you know in our homelands in africa right. wherever that may have been but we collectively as a people
2: for african americans
1: for african americans we hold trauma so close to our heart that it becomes that's true Pathologic. Mm. That's
2: true. Cause you've been we've been told for hundreds of years to not complain. Yeah.
1: Not just complain. Right. Not complain to white folks. And also complain like complaining about your feelings is what is white people shit. Right. And again, this right. this is all indoctrinated into, you know, what our slave master told us like, you got you got clothes on your back. You got they're not good clothes. You got food to eat. It's right. not good food. Mm. You should be happy to just be alive. But go. that's not. Thriving, that's surviving, that's just surviving. That's surviving. That's right. existing. And we've yeah. been surviving for 400 years as of this year. Mm. And I, I am happy to know that in recent years, like I would say maybe over the past three to four years, Black folks, we have been talking a lot about mental health and we've Absolutely. really been pushing ourselves to yes. like, yo, if you got an issue, like go find somebody. And it's been nice to see psychologists, psychiatrists, other um mental health clinicians come up with resources to make it available mm-hmm. but sometimes and you, here and here comes the the critique right so two things one is that sometimes i see mental health disguised as wellness disguised as spirituality like yeah, you don't feel good, go take a bath is not... (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) go get a bath bomb is not if you're clinically depressed. Mm -hmm. Right, that's not helping you. That's not helping. Um, The other thing that I... Really, one of the reasons why I thrust myself into the spotlight, because really, I'm kind of a loner, and I really don't like attention like that. But I was like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to put myself out there and be on a reality show. Um, But that being said... I what I'm seeing are is that we're talking about it but we don't have now the vocabulary. Absolutely. You know, to be able to know, okay, this person you're having the these symptoms, you, let me see if this cluster fits into depression or maybe it fits right. into bipolar disorder. What what does bipolar depression look like versus clinical depression? Mm-hmm. So now is the time for us to really arm ourselves right. with the vocabulary and the words in order to speak what we have going on.
0: Right. I think a lot of times too people are concerned about the words or the label, the stigma I get the concerned stigma around things like that. Um, but before we even touch on that, I want to hear a little bit about your journey. Okay. Why why become a psychiatrist? Tell us about how we've arrived here and about, you know, what motivated you to become a mental health
1: professional. So I I'm the product of Two very intel- highly intelligent people, my father, my biological father, and my mother. My biological father was essentially abandoned by his father when he was four. Okay. And according to my mother, um, he was found at like four years old um, by himself because he was collecting bottle caps to cash them in for food. Wow. because his father was an alcoholic and wasn't, you know, wasn't And this was here him. or back home? This was, he, he's from um, upstate New York. Okay. okay. So this was in upstate New York. My mother is Jamaican. My, my grandmother is half Chinese and half Jamaican. Mm-hmm. So long story short, we ended up tracking down our Chinese relatives and the Chinese side of our family are the ones who have bipolar disorder. Whereas the, okay. the Afro-Jamaican side of us, that's where the anxiety comes in. Mm. So my father... I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the child of an addict. My father okay. was an addict. Okay. Um, and he's not any longer. He was an engineer. And he's mm. still an engineer. And he's doing really well for himself. But when crack came on the scene...
2: Mm-hmm. You know... Right. It, was, yeah, it hit hard. It, it hit hard. And it was not taking... It's taking everybody by prisoner. Everybody. Right.
1: Exactly. And my mother's brother or my uncle... He had drug issues as well. So even though I'm an only child, my mother, at various points in my life and during my upbringing, took care of my three cousins. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I was never really – like, yes, I'm the only child, but I am I have like right. – Yeah, know, everybody. Like, like sisters.
2: Everybody knows, yeah.
0: Absolutely. And that's right. every uh, West Indian slash black exactly. American, black American family. family, yeah. Right. So mm-hmm.
1: the the other side of it is that my grandmother, who is Jamaican, I didn't realize until – Maybe a few years ago when I just kind of sat and, like, thought about, you know, how she used to behave. I'm like, oh, grandma was bipolar. Mm. Like, she would go from super chill and, like, love. And then all of a sudden she would, like, flip out. Snap out. Mm. Like, I mean, but, like, snap, like, yo. Like, why are you throwing things at us? Right. And then she would be like, all right. And it was like... <laughs> like,
2: everything is fine. Right, like,
1: every- right. And
2: you know what's funny? Growing up in a black house, you just think, oh, that's just a black that's mom. That's just right.
1: her, right. Because my oh, grandmother the crazy. same way. You know, my yeah. grandmother
2: is, um, she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. which we figured out now, speaking to my aunt, was that my grandmother was definitely clinically bipolar. Oh, yeah. Same thing. She would be perfectly fine. Ah, boo, boo, everything be fine. And then... Just be like really down, and then if you come in here, she spazs out. Right, and you'd be like, "What? What happened in the last five minutes? No one said anything to you." And I honestly just thought that's just that's how, just her. That's just her, and I thought that that's just how black grandmothers are.
1: Exactly. Me too. That's just
2: really what I thought.
1: Me too. And it wasn't until one of my other relatives was actually clinically diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And I know all this is genetic, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm like trying to figure it out because family history, like when I see a patient is really important. So I'm like, yo, like what's going on? And then I was like, hold up, grandma's bipolar. Um, I, and, and I will freely admit I have anxiety and depression. I had a series of panic attacks over the past two weeks. Mm -hmm. Like I will, I will claim it. I will say it. And
2: is that like a chemical imbalance or is that? Yeah,
1: it's a chemical imbalance. Um, no one really knows why panic occurs when it happens, what it what what we do know or what we believe is happening is that there was a stressor, like a stressful situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'll use myself as an example that that never I didn't deal with properly, mm-hmm. right? And then my brain decides, let's freak out now.
0: Mm. So, so that, that event was like a catalyst for it But it may not happen in that moment
1: Right, and oh, okay. so that's why it's so important And then I'll get back to why I became a psychiatrist mm-hmm. But that's why it's so <laughs> right. important for us To deal with our issues Pretty much not. I know you can't always deal with issues right then and there But it's important to deal with your issues, period Because they will They, they Like the reckoning is coming
2: I learned that from my psychiatrist That Kadeen gets, she's so jealous Even now, the fact that I didn't tell her that I went to see a psychiatrist. She gets so mad at me. No,
0: I'm over that now. That in that moment, though, because I felt like his problems were like my problems. Right. So,
1: which is which is really which I common for couples, right?
2: I, I, and I understand that, but mm-hmm. for me, I just I was feeling like I need to do something for myself. Yeah. I did not feel like myself. I didn't want to tell nobody because I didn't want to have to explain it. And then what I didn't want was for her to feel like. I made my husband have to see a psychiatrist. Right, you know Which what is I'm exactly saying? Exactly
0: what I thought. What? I was like, "Damn!" I was, and I didn't I even thought want to we tell spoke her. about everything. What happened? Right. right,
2: and that's what I was worried about. So I went and saw my own. But one of the first things that I've learned from was dealing with things in real time.
1: Yeah, it's it's because I I don't and I don't a lot of times because I'm a doctor, right? And, I mean, being from New York, I'm like, nothing can scare me, so whatever. That's so And, but apparently there are things that I don't realize are bothering me because I've built up such a, a defense. Mm-hmm. Right, a tolerance. Like, I mean, not like at this point, nothing, like- If you grew up in the 80s and 90s in New York, yes, not like whatever, like
2: you on the bus, the train, right? We see mentally ill people every day on the train, and it's normal to us. Oh, yeah, it's just normal, right? It's like like, the people screaming and grabbing stuff and throwing stuff. You don't even blink anymore, you're just like, okay, okay, right? This is the A train,
1: right? Yeah, literally, (laughs) right, Right, exactly. But one of the main reasons why I became a psychiatrist is because. So, we were talking a little while ago, like, we're all from New York, mm-hmm. and I grew up on 119th Street in Lenox, which okay. was different than 118th, and I'm different from 120th. Like, mm-hmm. it was, like, going—like, I never went on those blocks, because I was like, I don't know nobody over here. Block. Like, right. the it's geography was different. <laughs> I was just <laughs> course, like, uh, like, what's going on? But on 119th, like, that was uh-huh. our community. And yeah. so— whether you were gainfully employed, whether you were a whino, whether you were a crackhead, like we all everybody took knew care everybody the knew on each that other. Block. Yep. Everybody took care of each other. Yeah, yes, if looked my out. right, everybody looked out. Like, I remember one time, this was when I was older, and my car got towed. And, like, you know, like older Poppy was like, yo, like your car got towed. Like, <laughs> I, I rang that exactly doorbell earlier, right? Like, your car got towed. <laughs> yes. Like, I tried to stop them, but you yes. know, right. whatever, whatever. Um crackheads hood elves like very I mean <laughs> that's word. not what they are though that's exactly that's what they, what they are they're hood elves they yes. will do anything for anywhere between two and five dollars that's you know, true
2: anything and they, they you know have me in the
0: right place too it's
2: like they know oh. they, it's they like they tap in the right into place. everybody's house yes. so you could be thinking to yourself like man I really wish I had it and they just pop up like ha right. <laughs> I said you needed it I got it it's right here, <laughs> it's right here. <laughs> five dollars <laughs> right
1: oh you need a pot word I, have it. I got you I got, I got you right exactly so I just, when when I did my residency program, I was, first I went to Temple University in Philadelphia, and then I transferred out here to Harbor, UCLA. Those are pretty much hospitals that um, serve, like, the inner city. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And- I just basically felt like I had found my calling because I got to see black and brown folks. I got to see like, I mean, it was different because in New York, it's like, it's, you know, uh, West Indians or Caribbean. And especially if you're dealing with like people who speak Spanish out here, it's different. It's Mm -hmm. Central American mostly. So, and I still don't know Spanish. I only know like Bodega Spanish, which I'm not going to repeat here. (laughs) Spanglish. Spanglish, right. Um, But I felt like I really could make the best the biggest difference with people who society didn't care about. okay, And those were the people I grew up around. Grew up around. like like you, yeah. Right. Like, who cares about a crackhead? Like, we did. We did, but no one else does. No one else did. And so when a lot of my colleagues went off to, you know, like, more cushier positions... I not only wanted to stay with the folks that looked like me, but mm-hmm. I kind of doubled down and was like, you know what? I'm going to work with, like, people who are in prison mm-hmm. and people who are incarcerated. Because, unfortunately, we're wow. systemically, disproportionately, wow. you know, unfairly, but sometimes fairly. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that. Not everybody's innocent. Right, not everybody's innocent, but mm-hmm. I wanted to deal with the people who society not only forgot, but were afraid of.
2: But but I do have a question, though. Sure. Because this is what I fear, and this is what I've seen working in the inner cities as well. It's called the school-to-prison pipeline. Oh, absolutely. And for young black boys in particular, they're quick to label young black boys. And I've heard a lot of moms say to their boys, you know, don't be acting crazy. You know, don't be acting crazy because if they label you, I can't help you. Mm-hmm. And I hear that all the time. And these moms, they're single moms. I'm a single mom's, And their boys are dealing with whatever issues. And sometimes it may not even be mental illness. Some of them just may have behavioral issues because dad's not around. Right.
1: Exactly. Right. But
2: the first thing that happens is the label. ADD, ADHD, you need to get medicated. Mm-hmm. And then once they get medicated, I've noticed that if they have an issue, the police are called immediately. Right, and right. then once they were arrested, as young as six or seven years old, now you're in the system. Right. Now you're in special ed. And uh, for my brother, my brother works at a District 75 school in Brooklyn, which is where a lot of the uh, special ed kids go, or alternative schools, where mm-hmm. a lot of kids who come out of prison or come out of group homes go to this school. Majority was labeled as special ed kids young and could not get that label off, even if they were fine after that. Well, like, How does a parent... Navigate if you have a child who you think may have issues because that's what I fear as a dad with three black boys. I don't want my boys to have a label.
1: Labels are very important, like you said. And when it and when it comes to kids who feel like they don't have like they don't have anybody to talk to, Mm -hmm. and it may not be their fault. Their mother might be working three or four jobs just to like keep the lights
2: on. That's what that's what I dealt with at Prototype. Literally. When I first started.
0: Prototype was his, his uh, mentorship My program. My mentorship oh, program. Okay.
2: Yeah. 75% of the boys were with single moms. Mm-hmm. And these were not, you know, the stigma of the single mom who don't know what she's doing. She's out here chasing all of these men. No. I'm no. talking about educated black single moms with three, four jobs. They have different kids or they have, they may have two to three kids and they're trying to balance, get to this practice, get to that practice. Mm-hmm. And they may only see their kids maybe two hours a day. In the that. Mo- in the morning getting them ready and then at night to make sure everybody's in the bed before she goes out to her job right again to Overnight. work the midnight shift.
1: Yep. Right. And I
2: and I watched this and so many of these boys when I speak to them, they say, Oh yeah, I was diagnosed early with ADHD. Okay, so
1: so let me let me talk about that a little bit too. So so recently I was in Baltimore. This was I think two weekends ago. And actually so myself and my mother went mm-hmm. to go speak at a gala that was Um, benefiting a a school out there called Keys and Powers. And it was so awesome to see this school had kids, all black kids, it's Baltimore. And they had two psychiatrists on staff who were there like all day, every day. They would do home visits. They would, the kids could actually like, you know, go tell their teacher, like, I need to go speak to somebody now. And and so like at different points during the day, I think, you know, first of all, I think that the way just like I my approach to mental health and mental wellness, especially with black and brown folks, has to be different right. than what I was taught, which is which was mainly by white folks. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We Absolutely. also have to take the initiative and change the programs that we're essentially putting our black children into your you got to consider your your population you yes. got to consider your audience Absolutely. And in this case the audience are black boys. We as black folks, we our culture is just different it is and how we relate to each other. so that's one thing but the one the, the second thing that I want to reiterate, which I've been reiterating ever since the study came out, the CDC came out with the study did y'all hear about that where it showed that black, Fathers are actually the most... More involved, yes. They're the most involved yes. mm-hmm. out of everybody. Yes. And the metrics were, you know, um, giving them baths, doing a homework with yes. them, cooking for them, yes. putting them to bed. So there are single mothers, absolutely. But, and even though that study showed that... A lot of those black fathers weren't in the home with the mother. It it they still weren't involved. Involved. Right. So I've been really, really just pushing that because it's a truth. It is important.
2: I mean it's also important because the narrative creates the narrative ultimately creates the laws. Exactly. It, It was like if you want people to fear black men, you have to create this narrative that black men need to be feared. And then you create laws that will help people feel safer when black people are around, which is how or um, not around by taking or not them around, out around, the right. home which is how we ended up getting mass incarceration that's why if you smoke crack you could get 25 years but if you do methamphetamines then you get 5 years you know what I'm saying right, like right. there's certain rules and laws created based on the narratives but I'm gonna be 100% honest that's what made me afraid to go see a therapist mm-hmm. and that's what would make me afraid to take my kids to see therapists because I would be afraid that they would get labeled mm-hmm. and then right. end up in that prison when you, know, you school, went to a
1: therapist park. was that was your therapist black? yes okay
2: right I I chose for myself, because I wanted someone that can relate to my struggle. Exactly. You know, I didn't. One thing I've learned throughout life is that you really can't blame people for what they don't know. You know, like if they don't know, they really just they don't, don't know, know. Yeah. right? And yeah. um, I learned that um from one of my friends. He was um I don't know what the politically correct term is, but he his dad was white. Biracial. 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 His dad yeah. was white. I was about was to black. say mixed, but I I don't see I don't know I don't yeah, know either. Yeah. Don't Nowadays know
0: either. you don't know what to say. He's bi- <laughs> no so I, I say yeah, biracial, bi- bi- yeah. <laughs> So we were walking around
2: Kings Plaza, and uh, there were about five of us coming from football practice, and the cops pulled us over. This is during the time of stop and frisk. Cops pulled us over. What y'all doing? I'm like we ain't doing nothing. And like y'all can't walk in groups of five in the in the mall. So then they detained us, and they detained us and called our parents. And his dad, who came, who was white. We're just like, what were you doing? Right. And he was like, Mm -hmm. I wasn't doing anything. And his father legitimately said to him, so you telling me the cops are just going to come and just start harassing you for no reason? And I was sitting there looking at him like- Just another day in Brooklyn. I don't think he know his son is black.
1: Also, right. that's uh, Okay, you had sex with a black woman and made a black child, let's just say it. And all this time passed- and you and you live in this country yep. I'm not surprised you
2: live in a bubble
1: but I'm just like word he live.
2: if you would have heard the, if you would have <laughs> exactly. heard the conversation though exactly if you you'd have been so mad i like, i, was no, I mad. know your mouth
1: was open like I was,
2: yeah I was like really like do you not <laughs> see what goes on and he was just like and and honestly i feel genuinely sorry for him because he felt like he could like push his son away from that like almost like you're not like, you're not black. Mm-hmm. Your right. dad is white. You know, I always told you, pull your pants up, do this, do this. And I'm just like, he literally was doing nothing but but just walking around. Right. And her, his mom is Nigerian. Even though he was white, he's still darker than me. Right. And I'm light-skinned, so he's more brown-skinned. Right. So it was just like, all oh, y'all come over here. And I was like, wow, his dad really don't get it. Right. So when it came time for me to pick a doctor, I wasn't going to pick a doctor who might not get the struggles I'm talking about because you just don't get it.
1: Exactly. So. I, I recently was talking to somebody um, and she was saying that she has a therapist and this woman is white and she loves a the therapist mm. and she was like, you know, and I asked, I was like, you know, is it a problem like with certain things? And she's like, well, you know, she's, she is cognizant enough to let me finish and if there's something that I don't understand. She doesn't understand. Like I'll explain it, but for mm-hmm. me, I'm like, look, we pay about an hour. You know what I'm saying? Like back to the introduction. I'm like, we paying about an hour. Like I ain't got time to explain <laughs> right. what a yes. kitchen is and right. that it's on the back of your head. <laughs> right. You know, like I can't. Like I don't. Got, I ain't got time for that. Like so, let's just <laughs> right. let's just you know where the kitchen at? Right. <laughs> let's just do away with like you know the. Let's just do away with the pleasantries and let's just get to the 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 bottom of what it is. Right,
0: exactly. So how do we do that? How do we encourage, like you said, not wanting to characterize all Jamaicans per se, but just within our community of black folk? How do we now, say, encourage someone who you feel like may just need to speak to a therapist or may be dealing with a mental issue? Are there any kind of... um, tactful ways to finesse that and suggest to somebody that they seek help? So I think that for
1: most people, and this isn't just for people who are severely mentally ill, a lot of people lack what's called, we call it in psychiatry, insight. Mm-hmm. So they don't have a lot of insight into their mental illness. And I, I, look, I will freely admit that's me too. It's hard to be objective with yourself, yes. right? So <laughs> I've been clearly in a state of anxiety all year, and mm. and then recently had these series of panic attacks. At which point, my mother was like, "Yo, you got to find a therapist. Like, you over here whining like this is this is ridiculous." Mm-hmm. And I'm, and even in the back of my mind, I'm like, "I'll be all right. Like, I can figure this out. Like, okay, things are cool now. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I straight. You. I hear you, right?" But what I I would say the the best thing that someone can do is just to be consistent and be persistent, mm-hmm. like. Essentially, it's like, listen, Like you're going through these issues, and I know it's hard for you to see them as issues, but I remember when you were like this. Or I know you could be happier, and you might Mm. say that you're happy, but you're not at your best potential. Right. And it really takes... A lot of time. For some people, they're like, oh, word. Okay, I'm going to go see a therapist then. Right. But that's not most of us. Right. And you really just have to just kind of keep being persistent. And they might yell at you and be like, yo, leave me alone. Like, I'm cool. But knowing that someone has taken the time over and over again to keep telling you, like, yo, I care about you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I see these changes in you. Like, I really want for you to be the best person that you can be. That is something that is going to resonate with the person that may need help.
0: And there's a fine line, I feel, between taking on those problems. Like, I'm thinking as someone who's in a relationship with somebody (laughs) and how I had to realize that this was his fight at one point Mm -hmm. and not it wasn't me i it's wasn't not. the cause of it per se um, so how would you encourage people p- particularly in relationships to say
2: yeah that was my question you know where
0: is it not it's not your fault per se but you do notice this and you don't want to make it about i didn't want to make it about me mhm Although I did low-key feel like, damn, what was I not doing to prevent him from feeling this way? Because naturally, you kind of take the onus on you. If, if my partner's not happy or if he's in like a, a slump, it's my fault or I didn't do something or I did something to make that happen. So how do you encourage uh, couples you know, or people within relationships to just kind of not take that on them?
1: So I'm sure you guys have heard that you know, when you first meet somebody, you show them your representative, right? Yes. yes. And yes. obviously, True. you all are not representatives but you may be representing your you may be representing your mental wellness okay still Mm. because you're because you're still representing your mental wellness to yourself.
2: Yes. And if you can't admit
1: you have an issue you're not gonna admit it to nobody else. Absolutely not. So there are going to be I mean all kinds like I don't how old were you when you got married?
2: 27.
1: 27. So 27 years. Almost three decades of things happened to you before yes. y'all got married. Yes. And it didn't mean that he didn't want to talk about it with you, but he may not have even known the words to talk about it. He might may not have even known what was going on. Like, I've been that person, like, in the bathroom, like, in the bathtub, just like, what is wrong with me? No, like I'll yo. be
2: 100% honest. <clears throat> I did not want... I knew what problems I had. I did not want to talk to her about it because I didn't want to come across as weak. I'm the man. I'm the leader. I've been the light in my family and in my community for so long. How could I then say to my wife, I have a problem? Because then it's like I've relinquished all my power and strength. Because my strength as... I felt like my strength as a man was to take on the brunt. Of all of my family's issues, so that my wife could be at peace. She gave me three beautiful boys. She shouldn't have to deal with a fourth boy. So any issues I got, I should deal with on my own. That's how I felt.
1: Right, and that's That's societal because, and Mm -hmm. I, and I mean, Mm -hmm. and I'm gonna say this with all respect: you don't know women like that then, Mm -hmm. because we love to take care of things. Yes. Mm -hmm. And if we know that our exactly, and if we know that our man needs help, we like oh. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I hear you. I hear you.
2: I definitely hear you. And
1: and I'm not saying like, well, therefore it it's your problem. It's not. It's not your issue. It's not your problem. Societally, that's
2: how we oh, I admit, raise black men. Listen, I admit we we talk about this all the time. I let society tell me what the American dream was supposed to be, mm-hmm. and I fell for it hook, line, and sinker. We all do. Mm-hmm. Even even how when and then I after got married, all the
1: debt.
0: <laughs> Hello, I'm, let me, Imani. Let me. This is exactly what went happened
2: in my life. I graduated from high school, got to college, got a degree. Boom. Oh, I'm in the NFL. I'm making money. Boom. Oh, let I me got buy a girl. Some I, let me buy some stuff. Yep. I got a girl. Let me buy a house. I got to get married. I got to prove to everybody how successful I am. Then I'm 27. And everybody
1: else is ramping you up, like hyping you up to do the to same do all thing. this stuff. And Absolutely. then gotta when you have kids. Help. Where they right.
2: at?
0: Where they right. at? Though it bar. was
2: lonely. It, yo when I when I got <laughs> cut. I was engaged, I had bought property, my wife was a, we were about to have a baby and I was by myself cuz all those people who were like you should be doing this, should be doing that they were Absolutely. gone. Of course.
1: All that advice gone. it ain't fun no more. Yeah. And I
2: spent not the first 9 years I spent of my marriage trying to figure it out in my own head because society also told me if I put that on my wife then I'm weak. All I right. got to I got to handle that. And it wasn't even just my society, my dad when I watched my father deal with what he dealt with in our, in our family, like he, he was laid off. My father only has an associate's degree, but he understands mainframing. So he's always able to keep a job and make really good money. Mm-hmm. So he got laid off and he was laid off for about six months one time. And um, he never let my mom know how he felt or if things ever got bad. Anytime I walk in the house, he, hey, what's up, bro? Everything was fine. And then he used to tell me, he's like, it's not your mom's responsibility to know what goes on. Here, I'm the man. I have to do this. I'll find a way. So I put that on myself because I felt because I watched my mom walking around the breeze, house and nothing was wrong. That breeds
1: anxiety though because that's me. What that that breeds anxiety because I, I'm gonna take a little a little side note and I just because I've really been trying to tell people this. We as black folks, like yes, I like shiny things too. Mm-hmm. Okay, like I I save up for all that stuff. It's there's a difference between wealth and being rich.
2: Yes, absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. I, absolutely. I, I saw. I forgot what what comedian said. Like, oh, it was Chris Rock. Chris said, Rock. I know what you want he saying. He, he was like, the wealthy dude is the one signing your check. Yes. Right. But then on the flip side of it, rich being rich is loud, and wealth is quiet. Yes. Mm-hmm. And similarly, strength to me is quiet.
2: Mm-hmm. You don't
1: have to like you know, proclaim and like I take yeah. on every like, oh, right. I'm cool. I got because that's gonna breed anxiety. So I'm I'm guessing, almost guaranteeing, that when all that stuff happened to you and you were pregnant and you know, y'all were engaged and then you got cut, you probably were just like somewhere trembling because it was like,
2: yeah. yo, what Am I going to do? That's that's exactly that's
0: point blank. Period. On, on top exactly of that, that,
2: not only was I trembling, but I also made poor life decisions of course. because at this point I had no one to reach out to, and I had no way to get out of this funk. So I started to make decisions that I felt like would get me out of it, and I also started and they were to impulsive, put, like, mm-hmm. impulsive decisions, mm-hmm. and I put blame on people, right? right. And I always put pe- blame on the people who were the closest to me. For example, so, he bought
0: us a house in Michigan. Nobody said I wanted to live in Michigan, but he <laughs> felt like if he wanted, if he it bought me an, this house, right. I was gonna be good.
2: Impulsive decision. I had to show her that there I was go. serious. I had to show her that I was a man. I had to show her that I got it. Bought a home. Then when we were struggling financially and stuff like that, I blamed her for the fact that I brought the house right. in and Michigan, and I didn't, I didn't even I discuss. I it with me. There
0: you go. Right. But these are the
2: things that yep. if I if I would have just been open to speaking to someone, but mm-hmm. I I wasn't, mm-hmm. and, right. and not for nothing. I always say this, from 15 to 20, you think you know everything. From 20 to 25, you know you know everything. From 25 to 30, you start to realize, you know what? I ain't no shit all that time. (laughs) And it wasn't until about 30 that I was like, I need to start fixing all of the things Mm -hmm. that I I was doing in my 20s. And it wasn't until I saw a therapist and I started opening. Now we have arguments, right? In the past, we have argument- i shut down. I ain't going to let... It ain't bonding me. Oh, I'll figure yeah, it out. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Now, it's like, listen, baby.
0: <laughs> he Everything he learned from that therapist now, he's going through like a whole series of like, you I've know, bullet points with me when we changed. discuss things. Now. Good. No, that's, but it oh, helps. that's awesome. It
2: does. Remember in the, in the, uh, in the grocery store, mm-hmm. it was football Saturday. I like to just relax and watch football. Mm-hmm. I don't... I work a whole lot. This is the one day that I don't want to have to do nothing. We had family and guests coming over. She's like, baby, can we go to Costco's? So now I'm in Costco's on football Saturday. On your day. Rather than getting upset, which I normally did, got set, went with her. I just said, listen, babe, can you just explain to me why we're in Costco's on football he Saturday? He definitely had
0: the therapist voice too. I was like, don't try to hit me with that voice. I've right. also that learned. That tone.
2: I've learned from my therapist <laughs> that how I ask my questions is more important than the question I ask. That's That's true. So I've learned to take. A I'm breath. still
0: getting used to that though, because when he's <laughs> he's saying so it to me all mad. calm and stuff, I'm just like, yo, why are you talking to me like that? She gets so why? mad. I'm like, you're patronizing me in this moment, right? You know, yeah, I mean, I'm trying not so to we're patronize. Still to, we're still me. trying to figure it out because it's just. But like, therapy oh, okay. was
2: so great for me. It made me. It made me a better husband, made me a better father, a better business partner. Um, I'm able to see things differently in the world. And because you, I'm able to share, you know.
1: And you start to realize, like one of the one of the main reasons why I really want to go to therapy is like I'm going to be 44 in a couple months. Oh, wow. and yeah, and and there are values that I came up with when I was like six mm-hmm. that I still hold to this day. Like, don't cry. Crying is weak. Right. Why? Who right. told me that? Nobody. Right. It's just something that I just have internalized, it doesn't make sense. But to this day, if I shed a tear, I'm just like, look what you did.
2: Oh, right. my God. <laughs> you beating yourself up. Right? Yeah.
0: And it's, Six-year-old self looking at you right, like, girl, right, get like, it together. Right, like,
1: get it together. And so <laughs> there are things that I'm like, look, I need to undo these things. Yes. Because I can only do but so much. Right. But I still have these like really kind of strange, internalized values that yes. I came up with when I was a kid and frankly like because my biological father like abandoned me and my mom
2: okay and so and at, you said he had abandonment issues too because oh, he was it, abandoned right so, so it he, made sense
1: he, right he couldn't talk about it so he was like I'm out right but right. he was also you know had drug issues but these are the things that I concocted like these values I concocted when I was like 17 years old right which I still have and they're right. dumb
0: Which is it's crazy. This field I can see being draining just on you too. Yes, you take on everyone, taking on everything, and people unloading onto you. So how do you refuel after this? Like if you're going through something, how do you keep yourself from maybe not trying to like self-diagnose, or does that even help you to do that?
1: You know what? Quite honestly, I I don't really take it home
0: okay, it, that's or you can separate it
1: yeah, I can I, I'm great at compartmentalizing probably to a fault mm. um, but I think more so than anything that it, I'm just so happy to be able to help them and I'm so happy to that they're able to share their stories with me that i'm I'm just really I just feel so so grateful. Mm. You've heard of people who've been in therapy forever. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's really no end point because mm. life, every day is different. Things yes. always come at you. So it's not like, yeah, I did it. Yeah. yeah. Although yeah. for some people, like when I've been in therapy, it was like, okay, I'm finished. But I, like, I felt like
2: that. Yeah. I went for three months and I felt like, I'm I'm good. Like I feel like I've I've learned some tools to manage my life.
1: Right. And you there know? may come a time where you might need to go back or or yeah. you know or not. And that's kind of how I've dealt with therapy, but as far as unwinding, I mean, I a lot of times, like I listen to, I listen to a lot of music. Um, unfortunately, in LA, we don't get a lot of like reggae, or dance hall out here. No, so no, girl,
0: come by, our, come by our house. <laughs> I know <laughs> my <laughs> neighbors are probably like, "Where are they from? <laughs> I right, <know>. Like, what's <laughs> going on over there?"
2: We play soca, everything. Reggae, all everything, soca, reggae, yeah, like especially so dancehall. We already. gotta
0: bring it out here because there's no culture out here for exactly.
1: that. Exactly, so. but I've I've just learned certain my coping my coping skills are like going to sleep, getting in a bathtub. Um, going to the beach, mm. like, and in LA, we take it for granted that like the beach is like, oh, well, it's all, it's gonna be there, right. right? But I went to my son begged me like a, a few weeks ago, like, yo, can you please take the day off? And I was like, yes. So we that's went, yeah. So we went to Venice for a couple hours, and it was just like, I was like, yeah. oh that's my god, you thank you, yeah. That's what I needed. Yeah. So it's important to know. You know what what your coping skills are, and those are some of mine.
2: Well, before we let you go, because we can't take up all of your time today,
1: I would love to. I'm having a great time. No, I'm having a (laughs) great time too. (laughs) too. I feel like I'm actually feel like
2: I'm in therapy right now talking to you. (laughs) But um, I'm asking for three tips for people dealing with a partner that may have mental health issues. Um, I posted about mental health on my Instagram, and we had tons of comments for people asking me, well, you know, I think how how much is it? How much do you deal with until you say enough is enough? My partner is going through this. I've been trying to stick it out. What do I do? Do I get him a therapist? Do I take him with me to therapy? What do I do? What are three tips you would give someone who had, who they think has a partner that may be dealing with mental health issues?
1: So I think the first thing is obviously to, to talk to that person. You know, mm-hmm. use, use your words. Um, okay. Explain to that person what they see and like you were saying a little while ago it's how it, especially for black folks is how you say it like because mm-hmm. if your tone is wrong it's like nah like I'm Shut first, down. right first of all you need to lower your tone lower your your <laughs> take the bass out your right. voice you always think I, you know somebody right, exactly like, defense right exactly so defense. just you know say make sure that when you convey how you feel that you take on a non-accusatory tone like you know what Hey, like, I think you might be having some issues and I'm here to talk about them if you want to. Mm-hmm. But I just want to make sure as somebody, you know, who loves you dearly that I'm I'm seeing some changes. And I think, you know, it might be a good idea for you to see somebody. And again, that person may not be open to it. They might, but they might not.
2: I like that one. So number one, I got start with using your words, but in a non-accusatory tone. Exactly. Yeah, I got that. So don't just go Check. out there pointing stuff out like you need therapy, motherfucker. No. <laughs> you got non-accusatory is the key word there. There you go. That's exactly. how you say it. Exactly. Okay. So what's number 2?
1: Number 2 is if the person still isn't willing to go, that might be the time to maybe bring in like a
2: relative or like a mini intervention. Yeah, well, but but not intervention. Not I know intervention, that
1: word. But like maybe, you know, like I, I'm making this up. Maybe you married to the person, okay, and you want to talk to like their close cousin. Mm -hmm. So try a third party. Try a third party because that because. You see that person every day, and so that person who might be struggling might be like, "Well, you can't objectively, you know, what I'm saying, like, right. look at me like that." So if it's if it's another person, they could be like, "You know what? I kind of feel like mm-hmm. these are the things I'm seeing too, okay. or or whatever." But I think it's a good idea to go with someone the person knows mm-hmm. before you jump and find absolutely
2: some, outside an help.
1: outside help because then they might be like, "Nah."
2: That's when okay. the defense comes up,
1: right? Exactly. So
2: I have try a third party as a conduit Exactly. But familiar Familiar, familiar. third, familiar third party. party So number two Try a familiar keyword there Third party as a conduit Like exactly. that time
0: You brought my sister in To tell me I was being mean Yeah,
2: yeah Cause I didn't want to tell you Directly that co-sign. you needed therapy right. So I told your sister to tell you
0: There you go <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> Y'all ambushed me But whatever We all You know in Jamaica, We always get told we mean And it's not We just very factual I you know, I'm very direct Exactly and sometimes my tone Deval would be like Why you said it like that And I'm like I don't think I, I said it no kind of way exactly. Jamaicans maybe never think y'all mean Maybe it was Jamaicans <laughs> never think y'all mean don't group, don't group us all together don't group us all together
1: look if why? you look like a turtle and I tell you look like a turtle like why am I mean <laughs> no. like, now you, you mad to be you, honest right you know what you look like when you left the house because I you won't make say like that. You, won't you know you move it bad though.
2: slow. you won't say you know you won't say nothing like hey babe you know you, you kind of look, look like a turtle, turtle. no you know? I'll come in like, look at this lick a turtle <laughs> <laughs> look, <laughs> look at this God.
0: little turtle ass nigga damn
1: why I gotta say
2: it like that ain't got the nerve
1: to have on a turtle neck that.
2: <laughs> See, there y'all go, being <laughs> me. Like now, now I'm right? getting ganged up on by two make Jamaican my words.
0: Worse. Oh, man, That's <laughs> oh, hilarious. My gosh. All
2: right. Come <laughs> mind, you got to give me one more, though. Okay. One more. So we got start with using your words in a non accusatory uh, fashion, a non accusatory tone, and then try a familiar third party as a conduit. What's the last one?
1: I would say the last step would at that point seek outside help. And okay. that could mean a therapist. And it doesn't have to necessarily be a psychiatrist because mental health clinicians can be social workers. Mm. They can ah. be psychologists. Okay. They can be marriage and family therapists. But just someone who makes it their purpose, their career purpose, let's say, mm-hmm. to help other people through therapy.
2: No, this perfect. is perfect. That's Imani. Great. Thank you so much. Of wow. course. Thank you so much. I'm this so was fun. Speaking about mental health is often very like draining and tiresome. I felt mm-hmm. like we had a good time today. Oh, no, yeah. Definitely. I did feel like we had a good time yeah, Other than you two picking them. on me,
0: I, <laughs> I enjoyed it. I not say today. you look like a turtle, though. Uh, that's it. Exactly. That's it. <laughs> With a turtle <laughs> we neck coming at my neck. We were hypothetically speaking. You know what I mean? <laughs>
2: hypothetically talk, coming at my turtle neck. <laughs>
0: Your uh, there you go. <laughs> so Imani, if anyone wanted to find you, tell us here in your handles, if you have a website, blog page or whatever.
1: Sure. So I'm Dr. Imani. Um, and if you want to follow me on Instagram, which is where I primarily am, mm-hmm. it's I'm at doctor, which is D-O-C-T-O-R dot Imani. I-M-A-N-I. I have a website uh, with all kinds of information. My website is dr, D-O-C-T-O-R, dash, Imani, I-M-A-N-I, dot com.
2: You're not leaving yet. You can actually, we, we have to do listener letters. Do you have time to stick around yeah. with us? Oh, okay, perfect. Great. So Absolutely. Dr. Nice. Imani's going to stick around with us. We're going to take a quick break and move into these listener letters after we get to some ads. Stay tuned. This for the record.
1: There it is, a win for the ages.
0: Tiger Woods is one of our most awe inspiring sports icons. And his story, it comes with many chapters. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior, but here it is
1: The Return to Glory.
0: This is All American, a new series from Stitcher, hosted by me, Jordan Bell
2: you realize Tiger Woods doesn't know who he is. Best in the history of golf. No question in my mind.
0: And this season, with the help of journalist Albert Chen, we're asking, What if the story of Tiger Woods that the media has been telling, what if it's been completely wrong? All-American Tiger is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. All right, so now we're back for listener letters, and we have Dr. Imani still in the house with us because she's going to see if she can give her little two cents and some advice for these people writing into us that well, her know her sense is what worth more than two. True. She's a Best professional. True. like
2: five. She got like, like, a five, says. Forensic <laughs> got like word, five. forensic psychiatrist. That word forensic. That forensic yeah. means she's more. Than or two a
0: dime, sense. even a dime. Even a dime, <laughs> dime. piece. She'd be knowing, knowing, for real. All right, first question. You want to go, babe?
2: All right, I'll read this one, okay? Go for it. Me and my husband have been married for nine months. He lost his job. I'm a stay-at-home mom. Our son is five months old, and I know he's feeling down and less of a man because he lost his job. Damn. We have to move back to my parents' house. Ooh, until we get back on our feet. What are some things I can do to to keep his spirits up in this hard time? I don't want him getting depressed.
1: So I think the first thing to do is to just... Always keep the lines of communication open mm-hmm. because, as we talked about, black men in particular will internalize everything. Yes, mm-hmm. and not speak up. Yes, yes. And I know that this this person's husband may definitely be fe- taking on a lot of guilt, may feel very ashamed, and when those two things, along with depressed mood, and then you have maybe this person might end up with decreased motivation. What, yeah. what you really want to look out for is that the person
2: doesn't fall into a
1: clinical depression. Yes. Oh, okay. Which doesn't mean that the person, you know. And this- what's, the,
2: what's the difference between just depression and clinical depression? Real so, quick.
1: So being depressed, which is kind of basically a colloquial term, is like, oh, I'm sad. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Having, be- having clinical depression means that you have certain symptoms, depressed mood, You may have poor motivation, sleep changes, either sleeping too much or sleeping too little, Ah. issues with concentration, which is always going to be poor, Um, low energy, like fatigue, Um, having feelings of guilt or shame, losing interest in usual activities, and for people when they get really, really uh, uh, clinically depressed or really severely depressed, they might have start having feelings of um, having thoughts of suicide.
2: Mm. Uh that's a lot deeper than just saying hey I'm I'm sad right I'm sad
1: which is why it's important in this period of time for them to keep the lines of communication open absolutely because if he starts internalizing that especially like having to move back um, move into her, uh, parents, her parents house, house. Mm-hmm. you know you also might be dealing with their parents and then her her, his father-in-law yes.
2: you know what I'm saying that's, like, a, that's right. a lot yeah, there can
0: him. be a lot of that's things a lot. that go
2: in that's a lot so
1: it. I would say you know for someone like me who I have had clinical depression I haven't taken medication but what I do on, I do certain things on the daily to mm-hmm. prevent these things from happening so I work out every day mm-hmm. like every mm-hmm. day whether it's going hiking or going to the gym because that releases serotonin into your brain and that helps keep your mood uh, elevated to the point where you don't get depressed. Mm. It's just important to make sure that he that that he's able to feel know that he's loved yes. and know that it's not his fault right because just like look i have clinical depression because my dad w- was clinically depressed it's right. i didn't step on a nail and <laughs> right, and right, got right. it right? right right it's hereditary right this person lost their job that's right. not his fault right. right right and so it's just important for people to realize that because or his the people that are surrounding him to realize that because if not it starts people start to get resentful.
2: I, it's I funny you said resentful. Yeah. I, you remember what we talked about? Yeah. He's he works. She's a stay at home mom. He's going to start to feel first. He's going to have resentment towards himself mm-hmm. because I can't take care of my family. I have to move back into my wife's parents family's pray. parents' house. Her dad is looking at me when I when I gave my daughter to you. It was under the belief that you were going to take care of. Her and yourself and your child. So I know that's gonna hit him automatically. As a man, I know it's gonna hit him. One thing I would tell her to do is get on a routine of waking up, waking him up. Do the same routine you did while get he was working. Up. Mm-hmm. Get him up. That's get him the thing. Get him up. That's important. Because he exact- stays in bed. Right. That's- that is the remember when I was going yep. through my moments. Exactly. We used to get up together when when I had just got back from the NFL. Mm-hmm. It was the same routine. I still got up. I had to go out and figure out what I'm going to do. I'm not going to figure it out while I'm in the while I'm in the bed.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I figured and still, it out. Still, I always found ways to try to make him know that he was still appreciated too. Yes. Exactly. Because you know, if he didn't feel that either, I knew for sure he was going to be like, "Damn, I don't have a job, and I'm back in my parents, my in laws' house." Right. Sweetheart, you know, communicate.
2: So. Communicate. Get him up in the morning. Yeah. Continue to move together like he's still working. You guys will be fine if you're spiritual. Pray on it, and Absolutely. you actually may
1: find that now that you guys have some time, like reframe it. That mm-hmm. that's also important too. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, oh, you know what? Yes, you're gonna look for jobs and all that, but now we get to like spend more time as a family and during that this short period, will bring of time. some happiness to right, right. Yes. instead right. of just being like, damn, I fucked up. Like no, like you know what? You didn't. It, this is not your fault. Right, yes. and on top of that. Like now we're gonna like bond a little bit more because maybe your next job you'll be super busy and I won't be able yes. to see you like that. That's a good so point. So reframe it and and use it for what it is. Yes. for sure,
0: absolutely. And good luck oh, to you guys. Before we move
2: on to the second one, get out your parents' house during the day.
0: Yeah, <laughs> don't just be there. Sitting don't just there, be there. Watch right. Get out, Maury. take
2: some walks in the park. <laughs> yeah, this way you don't <laughs> gotta busy. hear from your father-in-law. All right, <laughs> for
0: sure. <laughs> All
2: yeah, right, baby. question
0: number two. Currently, I'm a Currently, I'm in college in New York, and my boyfriend lives in Texas. He comes up to visit me when he has time, and I always feel bad because I'm not able to travel as much due to being in school and building my business while in school. He's very supportive in all all that I do, but we seem to bump heads a lot when it comes to the emotional health between us. I grew up in foster care in New York, and he comes from a great family full of love, and they've always welcomed me. I'm actually afraid of meeting them and taking that step forward because how I interact with people is is very on guard and I don't know how to exist in that kind of atmosphere. My emotional health causes us to have friction a lot and my question is, how do I explain that I'm not ready to move forward because I'm still dealing with trauma from my own family without making him or his family feel that I'm not interested in getting to know them. I mean she explained it.
2: I'm about to say it. Yeah, it's right. like that's, she just, you just said say it.
1: right. You say what you just, you just say said. It. Right. I, I, now part of it might be that she's afraid to say it, right. which which I can understand too. But I would just start with talking, talk talk to your boyfriend and say exactly what you said. Like, say exactly what (laughs) you said.
2: Verbatim. Verbatim. Because reading it, I got it.
0: Right. Absolutely. Because if she was here reading it, I'd be like, what
2: (laughs) what else you
1: want me
0: to say? And if you're saying he comes from a great family full of love, then I feel like they would embrace you even more. Absolutely. And try to go out their way to make
1: you feel more comfortable. Absolutely. And also, you know... Please, like, whether it's through your school or elsewhere, like, get therapy because trauma.
2: Yes, deal with that.
1: Oh my God. Like, trauma is something. Like, I say this all the time. Like, I can throw all the medications at somebody, but if they have trauma that is not resolved,
2: there's nothing you can do about that.
1: Right. And they're just going to keep making decisions that are like, what are you doing? Because they don't know necessarily how to trust other people or interact with other people in a meaningful way. So, Get you get therapy and just be honest with yo with your man and you know if he wants to tell his family that like because she may not necessarily need to tell his family that yeah she That's doesn't true. have to at right. this point they're still right. dating they're right. in college exactly right. so right. tell your man like yo like I'm I'm young I'm working on myself <sighs> absolutely I want to get some therapy but you know as you know I was in foster care I got a lot of issues I mean she. She, she, you're if if you're listening, you already know what to do, and you're all and you also explained it so eloquently. Right. There's really nothing for me to say. Right.
0: Yeah. This go. is why we there have you, go, you here, Dr. See? <laughs> Imani, <laughs>
2: See? because she just took over the listener letters. <laughs> done and but done. But that was that was amazing. That that's, was that that's <laughs> was That's what she does. You heard her. That's exactly what you need to do. That's
0: exactly what Take she does. Take care of yourself
2: and speak to your your for boyfriend. For sure.
0: And if you want to be featured as one of our listener letters, email us at deadassadvice at gmail.com and we're gonna move into a quick moment of truth. You know, normally Dr. Imani, we do a moment of truth where we kind of what's our takeaway from this whole episode? Like what did we gather from it? What's what did we learn from this episode? Do you have something you learned, babe?
2: Um, I, I've learned that mental health is a stigma in our community from four hundred years of the way we've survived in this country. And until we as a people unpack that, acknowledge that we won't be able to move forward. And feel better about mental health. Right. So we have to, as a people, just understand why we are the way we are. Right. And deal with it.
0: Right. And I, I've got a greater understanding. And I know that there is so much value in being able to just speak about things. And yes. holding things inside is never the, the route to do, to go. Especially because that's things that have, that have been embedded in us for so long. But there is no embarrassment around that. And people shouldn't feel embarrassed
2: I like to say that. how they
0: feel. I and like And to know that there are people out there who are professionals that can legitimately help you navigate what you've been feeling. So
1: don't be afraid to get some help. Can I just add a truth? Absolutely. Please, this absolutely. is why you're here still. Yes. So one of one of the reasons why I also, there's so many reasons why I became a psychiatrist, but one of the reasons why I wanted to become a psychiatrist is because, you know, as black people collectively, we are amazing, beautiful beings. And we have been able to make it this far in the world and Every in every walk of life we touch, Mm -hmm. we're we're still the trendsetters. We're still, you know, the people who are showing other people how to do things. Mm -hmm. And if we can just get our mental health together. Oh my God! could you
2: imagine? Can you, oh, imagine, could you imagine? Can you imagine? you Leaps know
1: what and we, we be like Earth, Wind, and Fire covers, like like <laughs> like pyramids, <laughs>
2: and like you know,
1: like sh- 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 shining in
0: gold. <laughs> it's true though. <laughs> exactly. It's true. It's, it's, so, it's true. so true. It's so true. Like, <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Thank oh you so gosh, much. Girl. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much for we pray having all me. All the best for season two thank with your filming you. and all that. Um, oh my goodness Such a great time
2: It was You gotta have you back
0: Of course any back. T- Anytime Just call me I'm
1: always down and Plus we all from New York so.
0: You know exactly You know what I'm saying At, at the very least We can kiki about The New you York style Yep,
2: yep. yep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Be sure to follow us On social media I'm Kadeen I am And
2: I am DeVal
0: And if you're listening On Apple Podcasts Be sure to rate Review Share Subscribe Tell your friends Tell your family All that good stuff
2: That ass That ass
0: folks Deadass is a production of Stitcher. It's produced by T-Square and Denora Pena. Our chief content officer is Chris Bannon.
2: Our associate producers are Kristen Torres and Treble. Our studio engineer and original music is by Brendan Burns and mixed by Andy, Kristen's daughter.
0: We're back i'm drew mcgarry and i'm david roth we have a podcast going on right now as part of the stitcher network called the distraction that's available everywhere you get your podcast at uh, stitcher
2: spotify apple go listen right now to the distraction right now it's out do it please